Welcome back. Today's message is going to be a bit shorter because we do want to give enough time for our community hangout. And so I'm sorry for those who were looking forward to an hour-long sermon, but today will be definitely on the shorter side. And we are continuing our Lent series today. And in many ways, today's message is uh, part two or a continuation from last week. And today we're going to be talking about addictions. Addictions. Now, um, I think it's very timely that we're talking about addictions today because many of you are fasting during the season of Lent, as I encourage all of us to do, as we detox from the world and depend more on God. And as I mentioned last week also, the opposite of fasting is addiction. The opposite of fasting is addiction. So I hope along with your fast, you are spending more time with God, uh, finding ways to grow spiritually or just shifting your time um, from uh, and energy away from the things you're fasting from and towards the things that might be more productive or might be better for your uh, overall health. Uh, in the mid-century, uh, uh, in the mid-20th century, uh, architect and furniture designer Charles Eames said this, Take your pleasure seriously. Take your pleasure seriously. I think many Americans really take the spirit of this quote to heart and they ran with it. <laughs> America has no problem taking their pleasure seriously. In fact, if anything, America has the opposite problem, which is we take our pleasure way too seriously. And America definitely has a problem with addiction. Addiction. In fact, America's economy thrives off of our addictions. The more food we eat, the more alcohol you drink, the more television you watch, uh, the better America's economy performs. So it makes perfect sense that this nation that we live in wants us all to become addicts. But how addicted are we, really, to the things we consume? Let's just take internet, for example. How addicted do you think you are to the internet? Do you really know? Well, uh, we're going to put your knowledge to the test, okay? Uh, in 2019, an independent study was done by a nonpartisan nonprofit organization called Common Sense Media. Okay? And they surveyed thousands of American teenagers and adults to see how addicted Americans truly were to the internet. So I thought it'd be fun to play a game right now. Um, uh, and, and no matter where you are, okay, you could participate in this game. Um, but if you happen to be participating in today's Sunday gathering with someone else who is next to you, maybe a partner or a roommate, uh, it'll be really fun to do this together. And so if they aren't next to you, go ahead and grab them or yell their name. And uh, all of the questions uh, that are going to be um, shown to you will be in multiple answer form. Okay, so it'll be multiple choice. And I'll give you about 30 seconds for each question, okay? And I think this should be fun. And even if you happen to be by yourself, once you see the question, um, say it out loud, okay? So you know uh, that you're not cheating, all right? Here we go. So here, it's gonna be short, just three questions, all right? So here is the first question. 
The average American spends blank hours a day watching television. Two hours, three hours, or four hours. I'll just give you a few more seconds. The correct answer is four hours a day. Four hours a day. All right, so that was the first one. Here is the second question. The average American adult spends how many hours a day on the internet? And this is not including work, okay? Two and a half hours, three and a half hours, or four and a half hours? I'll give you a few more seconds. Again, say your answer out loud before I give you the answer. And the correct answer is three and a half hours. Three and a half hours on the internet a day. Last but not least, the average American teen spends how many hours a day on the internet? And again, this is not including school or studying, okay? And as you could probably guess, it's definitely more than adults. So five hours, six hours, or seven hours. We'll give you a few more seconds. And the correct answer is seven hours, seven hours. All right, how did you do? Did you get all three correct? Did you um, get maybe two out of three? So that might be hard to believe. I found that last one especially really hard to believe that an average teen spends seven hours a day on the internet, which doesn't include school because uh, school takes up a lot of time already, right? And um, to spend pretty much their, most of their free time on the internet is pretty crazy. Now the average time that the um, American teen spends on the internet is uh, precisely is seven hours and 22 minutes. This meant that about 64% of teens spend over eight hours a day on the internet, which is nuts, okay? Which is nuts, okay? I already thought that the adults spending three and a half hours on the internet was a lot, but for a teenager to spend over eight hours a day on the internet is pretty crazy. Now, that was in 2019, okay? That was in 2019. Do you think that in 2020, during quarantine and during COVID, when we were spending pretty much all of our time indoors, do you think that number increased or decreased? I could bet <laughs> uh, everything I have in my bank account that that number increased um, and probably very significantly. Now, uh, th that just looking at that statistic alone from the internet, okay, uh, that alone tells us that we have, as uh, Americans, <laughs> we have an addictive personality. The early church took notice of the dangers of addiction when the early church fathers coined the term seven deadly sins, seven deadly sins. Now you may be familiar with the seven deadly sins, which are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Okay, and, and you see it here listed uh, in front of you. 
Now, if you try to find the term seven deadly sins in the Bible, you won't find it, okay? It was developed by the early church in the fourth century, and there were various, uh, um, there were different variations of seven deadly sins, but it wasn't until 590 AD when the official seven were canonized or finalized by Pope Gregory I. Now, it's a bit ironic that these seven sins are called deadly because none of them can actually cause physical death, at least not instantly. But these seven sins were given special attention by the early church uh, because um, they were the most destructive to a person's soul. And what's rather unique about these seven deadly sins is the fact that most of these are internal sins, meaning they might be invisible to people who are uh, looking at you. They're not external sins that are quite obvious and visible to others, such as murder or stealing or adultery, which is like cheating on your partner, okay? And these are internal sins. Things like envy and lust and wrath, uh, these are not things that are very visible, okay? Uh, so they're internal sins. Now, the theme that we're focusing on today or the, 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 the deadly sin that we're focusing on today is gluttony, okay? which is another term for addiction. It's a synonym for addiction. And we typically don't use this word gluttony or glutton very often these days. And you probably have never heard or will never hear another message on gluttony because to speak against gluttony is to speak against the American way. And I hinted at this earlier when I said that our, our economy thrives off of people being addicted to consumption, right? And because America is this land of excess and consumerism and capitalism, gluttony is one of the most accepted sins in America. Okay, not only is it uh, accepted, it's actually embraced and encouraged by our country. Uh, and there are certain sins that are um, given a pass, <laughs> uh, like uh, sins like um, lust, okay? Um, in fact, social media actually like thrives off of your desire for lust. Or being a workaholic, okay? Um, being a workaholic is actually rewarded, all right? And so, uh, or even cheating on your taxes, like, like things like cheating on your taxes is not really that frowned upon these days. Even our previous president cheated on his taxes. Um, and so something like gluttony, um, like most of the seven deadly sins, is not only accepted in our culture, but it's even glorified and encouraged by our culture. And so when we think of gluttony or addiction, we have to think of uh, broader terms than just food okay it can be television it can definitely be social media it can be video games uh, it can be alcohol or even caffeine okay now this is a very very simple definition of gluttony gluttony is an excessive and insatiable appetite for pleasure gluttony is an excessive and insatiable appetite for pleasure and this is why we, we're looking at the passage that we did today, okay, from Proverbs 23. Now, Proverbs 23, um, uh, the book of Proverbs, otherwise known as the book of wisdom, all right, 
uh, is uh, well accepted by scholars that it was uh, a compilation of wisdom notes and wisdom sayings from King Solomon, who was the third king of Israel and was the son of none other than the famous King David. Now, uh, King Solomon didn't sit down and uh, start writing on a scroll a bunch of these random wisdom sayings, okay? And he definitely wasn't arrogant enough to say in the beginning of Proverbs that these are wisdom writings or wisdom sayings from myself, okay? Most likely what happened was that uh, all of these wisdom sayings were compiled by the royal court scholars or scribes that uh, they, they documented some of these really wise sayings that King Solomon said. That's kind of why um, there's really not a great flow to the book of Proverbs. It kind of sounds like a bunch of standalone sayings that were kind of uh, put together. And that's because it is, okay? It wasn't like um, King Solomon sat down and just like said all of these in, in like one long, one long teaching, okay? It was actually compiled by the court scribes. And so they tried their best to group certain wisdom sayings together. Um, but for, by and large, they were uh, kind of random that were uh, compiled together. Now, I say this because in the beginning of Proverbs 23, uh, or all throughout Proverbs 23, there are many warnings or bewares scattered through this chapter. And today we're focusing on the sin of gluttony. And Solomon warns us to beware of gluttons in verse 20. But check out uh, the other people that Solomon told us to be aware of. He also tells us to be aware of the stingy man. He tells us to be aware of the fool or the evildoers, um, also the prostitute and also the adulterer. And so the glutton is actually being compared to fools, evildoers, and prostitutes. All right. Now in um, verse one, uh, which we it's the first verse that we looked at today. Okay. Um, it kind of sounds like uh, he's talking about himself, okay? But uh, he's not, okay? King Solomon is not talking about himself. Um, but what Solomon is actually warning you is to beware of how you behave in the presence of a ruler like him or others like him, like in the presence of other kings or other lords. And his advice in verse 1 is actually similar to the advice that a king would give to a servant. Now let me read uh, the first half of today's passage, which was uh, verses 1 through 3. When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Um, verse 2 uh, might seem kind of morbid and dark, right? Um, put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony? That's pretty <laughs> extreme. Now, I have to give a little bit of background to this, okay? Now, when a king or a ruler or some sort of lord uh, honors someone by allowing them to dine with him, the servant should act in a respectable way. The servant should be civilized and act like a gentleman or a lady while in the presence of a king or a ruler. 
even if there is this like huge banquet table of delicious food and drink, if that servant were to dine with a king and act as a savage at the king's table, it would be seen as a great deal of disrespect to the king who has so graciously invited him or her to dine with him. So for a king, uh, for a servant to disrespect a king like that in such a lewd manner would be to doom himself or herself to death, even by decapitation. Okay, that's why um, that imagery or that like really morbid uh, saying of uh, put a knife to your throat um, is, is said. So this tells us something very important, okay, about this passage um, and about self-control. It tells us that self-control demonstrates wisdom. Self-control demonstrates wisdom. I had mentioned last week that it's not healthy for any of us to live life unrestricted. It's not good for our spirits to live in such a way that has no restraint whatsoever. Because when we do, it turns us into spoiled, rotten people. And I've realized that the best way to raise kids who are spoiled, rotten is to never deny them anything. Is to let them live their life completely unrestricted and to always say yes to them. That is the best way to raise kids who are spoiled, rotten. Um, let me give you an example, okay? Um, I had mentioned last week that I um, was recovering from COVID and I had fully recovered from COVID, so I thank God. Um, but I don't think I mentioned that it was my daughter and I who actually had COVID together. That's why we were both isolated in her room. And um, be, you know, because I felt so bad for her um, being sick and all that and being trapped in her room, it's already hard enough being quarantined in our home but being even uh, isolated in her room was really hard. So I let her get away with a little bit more or a lot more than we usually let her get, with, get away with. And uh, one of the things that she was super into during isolation was playing this game called Roblox. I think that's what it's called, Roblox. And she would play this game for uh, hours, some, some days. And uh, what was really fun is that she could go online and play with her friends and go into this like world or whatever together. And they're um, talking to each other on the phone while they're playing this game on their iPads. And yeah, they were just having a blast. And when she and I came out of isolation um, a few days ago or at the beginning of this week, uh, we, you know, we had to put the hammer down and we had to really put limitations on how much screen time she spends. and how much time she plays playing video games and uh, FaceTiming with her friends. Now, when we did that, um, she really didn't know what to do. <laughs> she didn't know what to do with her free time. And she would just like lie down in bed and like wish that she could play Roblox. And she might even be playing it in her head for all I know. <laughs> um, but that just, after that, those couple weeks of being in isolation and being totally unrestricted, she kind of turned into this like zombie for a few days. Now she's back to her old self and thank God, you know, like she's okay now. But really that kind of turned something, like that did something to her co cogn cognitive behavior. Now, last week I had mentioned that like this idea of fasting or, or you know, restricting ourselves 
or limiting ourselves from these uh, pleasures of the world is not uniquely Christian. We looked at several examples last week of people of, from different faith traditions who regularly practice fasting as a way of spiritual growth or discipline. This is because Christians are not the only people who believe that self-control demonstrates wisdom. Okay, and that is the central truth for today. All right, self-control demonstrates wisdom. The ancient Egyptians believed very similarly with regard to addiction and gluttony. There's, um, <coughs> excuse me, an ancient Egyptian text says this, restraint is a brief moment, gluttony is based and reproved. Also Siddhartha Gautama, also known as the Buddha, said this, attachment to your appetites can lead to slavery. And even the Hindu text, the Tirukural, oh man, I'm totally butchering that pronunciation. <laughs> Let's just say the, the Hindu text warns us against overeating. The thoughtless glutton who gorges himself beyond his digestive fires limits will be consumed by limitless ills. I definitely have experienced that. Now, to, to tell Americans to control their desire for pleasure is almost offensive for many people, especially for us living in this consumeristic culture. Advertise, advertisements command that you indulge. And, and for most of human history, it used to be only the rich and powerful who had resources and free time to be gluttons. Most people had to work uh, working class jobs um, and these jobs required a lot of physical labor, which is kind of like forced exercise. And most of these jobs were very, very time consuming. So most people for most of human history did not have the luxury to eat an excessive amount of food and drink. But that is no longer the case. Because of our accessibility to cheap, fatty, modified foods, anyone has the potential to be a glutton. In the past couple of years, many buffets in America have gone bankrupt or closed down due to changes in eating trends. The restaurant Golden Corral filed for bankruptcy during COVID. Hometown Buffet closed many of its locations nationwide and Sioux Plantation closed all of their restaurants permanently. And I know that buffets are kind of uh, attractive and a favorite pastime for Americans, but I kind of hope that restaurants will learn from this past year and offer better, healthier options. Now, while I'm not a fan of most buffets, one buffet I do frequently indulge is all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Uh, many of you are probably fans of Ace Korean Barbecue, which is uh, A-Y-C-E. Um, and a couple years ago, or many years ago, when I was serving at this like large uh, mega church as a youth pastor, um, the church was near Koreatown in Los Angeles. And there was this one restaurant that served a $10 all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue lunch special, which is 
almost ungodly that <laughs> this restaurant would serve um, a $10 all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Now, they were limited to only certain meats like, um, you know, thin brisket or like pork belly. Um, nothing like really fancy, but still $10, right? And I swear, like at least once a month, the staff at this church would want to eat at this restaurant. And everyone would just pig out during lunch. <laughs> and after, and, and myself included, and so uh, after we would eat this like really, really indulgent lunch, I would go back to the, my office and I would be totally unproductive. I would have food coma and I would be groggy and I would be just like really sluggish and just tired. And sometimes I would even like take naps on my office couch <laughs> because I was like that messed up from the Korean barbecue all you can eat lunch. And this is kind of what uh, happens as a result of gluttony. It kind of turns us into these like zombies right and 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 i'm not just talking about food right but think about when you binge okay um and everyone binges from time to time and you know maybe binging once in a while is not that bad but if you binge on the regular basis be it binging on eating or binging on television or binging on alcohol binging on social media binging on youtube whatever it may be it kind of turns into uh, it, it, you kind of turn into a zombie you know what I'm talking about? Can, you, can anyone relate with me on this? Okay, now let's look at um, the second half of today's passage in verses 19 through 20. Listen, my child, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Verse 19, when it says, listen, my child, and be wise. Keep your heart on the right path. This reminds me of the passage we looked at last week, which was Matthew chapter 6. And verse 21 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We invest our time, our resources, and our energy on things that we care about the most. So when we binge, on television or on alcohol or on social media or on YouTube, we really have to ask ourselves, why am I investing so much of my time, resources, and energy on these things? Do I, do I truly care that much about these things? Is my heart set on that right path? And then in uh, verse 21, this is really, really profound, okay? It says, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. And this is what I'm talking about when I say when we become gluttons and addicts to the things of this world, to the pleasures of this world, it's almost as if we are sleepwalking through life. We are like these lemmings that just do whatever advertisers or uh, the uh, media tells us to do we are like these zombies that are sleepwalking through life kind of with our eyes closed and going where uh, these these companies tell us to go doing what these advertisers tell us to do and eating what these like uh, food companies tell us to eat we have become zombies addicted to consumerism 
This is precisely why we fast. We fast so that the things we own do not own us. We fast because we do not allow the desire for this world overcome our desire for God. We fast because our spiritual health is more important than binging on social media. We fast because self-control demonstrates wisdom. And this means that when we are done with our fasts, after the season of Lent, it means that we don't go back to binging on social media like we used to. We go on social media moderately, okay? It doesn't mean that we binge on alcohol like we used to. It means we consume it in moderation. It doesn't mean that you go back to playing video games three, four, five hours a day. It means that you go back to playing video games uh, in a reasonable amount of time. You see, fasting allows us to free ourselves from this world. It is not a way of imprisoning ourselves or restricting ourselves. It's actually the opposite. It is our way of freeing ourselves from the things of this world. Fasting is our way of detoxing from the world and depending more on God. Amen. I hope that all of you will join us right now on our community hangout and I will see you there soon.